So prayer is a topic that Paul addresses at the end of most of his letters. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, he says in his first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5. At the end of the letter to the Ephesians, it's pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. We just studied the final chapter of Ephesians, uh, not of Ephesians, of Philippians in our men's and women's Bible studies. And there he says this, chapter 4, And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You should see a pattern here. It's the same in Colossians. Continue steadfastly in prayer with thanksgiving, being watchful in it. Well, being watchful in it, thanksgiving. Excuse me, I should have <laughs> quoted that correctly. Um, this is clearly a pattern for Paul. Prayer is so essential and vital to the Christian's life that he gives this parting reminder many times when he closes off. Continue steadfastly in prayer. But what does it look like to do this? What should our prayer lives look like? A lot of us would give the guilty answer, I should pray more. But what does it really look like to do that? Uh, One thing I think it's helpful to remember is that the letters Paul writes, like Colossians, are just snapshots of what was taught in these churches. So most of these communities, Paul either visited or at minimum he sent one of his fellow missionaries to be with them and to teach them. So the topics that he covers in these letters, he covers in a sort of general fashion. But these things like prayer would have been taught in more detail at those other times, in person. So this morning, we're going to zoom in on this topic of prayer. There are always lots of important topics for Christians to be learning about and growing in. But it really would be hard to find one more important than prayer. And I find it particularly apt for where we are in the life of our church. A church is not anything if it's not rooted together in prayer. If its work is not rooted and labored in prayer. And so we need to think about what this is. What is prayer for us? How do we do it as a body? So the first thing this morning is that prayer is communion. Prayer is communion. It is born out of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Christians believe we have been brought near to the Father through the sacrifice of the Son. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been reconciled with our Creator and His Spirit has made His home within us. Prayer is the way that we commune with God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It is the mutual sharing of relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. C.S. Lewis wrote this, what I think is a really funny phrase about prayer, where he said that if God were merely interested in having living things that uttered the right words, a team of properly trained parrots would have done the trick. But the right words are not what God is interested in. He's interested in a mutuality of relationship. And prayer is this companionship with God. It is a mutual communion, abiding. 
So what does this look like with God? We, we at least have an idea of what it looks like with others, even if we're not very good at it or don't enjoy it very much. We know what it looks like to commune with others. But what does it look like with God? This is especially difficult in our world because there's this belief system called deism that has infiltrated our culture. You see, earlier generations believed that God was imminent, meaning he was very close. Some went so far as saying that God is in the rocks and trees and all of nature. Deism reacted, and deism said that God is very far off. That God made the world, but then he stepped back from it. And he set it on its way. And many of us actually feel this sense of a gap between us and God when we pray. We convey this in our language when we say things like, it feels as if my prayers aren't getting past the ceiling. Haven't we all said that or felt that at some point? I I won't pretend I haven't felt this way. Or that I don't still feel this way sometimes. But we need a corrective. Part of the problem here is we've bought into the distance between us and God. It's a false distance. Don't get me wrong, there is a distance in terms of God's holiness. But the remarkable fact of Christian faith is is that God is not somewhere on the other side of the ceiling. Our prayers do not have to travel somewhere to get to him. God has come near through Jesus Christ. When we're baptized into Christ, the Spirit comes to live and abide within us. And so as counterintuitive as it seems, in prayer, the goal is not to rise up to God. Actually, the goal is to descend into our own hearts where the Spirit of Jesus has come to live. This is the Christian foundation for prayer. God has come near. He is imminent. He is not far off. So in the words of a church father, God is nearer to me than I am to myself. This is odd, isn't it? It's so against everything that we think. It doesn't make any sense. God is nearer to me than I am to myself. This is why Paul, though, can quote a pagan poet when he's evangelizing in the book of Acts. In God, we live and move and have our being. God is not only near to us, he is the very foundation of our existence. In prayer, we are communing with the God who has chosen to dwell within us. Now, a lot of us are uncomfortable with this language because it's very close to Eastern religions that speak of a God within. And we should be uncomfortable with that because there's a fundamental difference between what the Bible teaches and what Buddhism and a lot of Eastern religions teach. Eastern religions teach that God is within you and you are that God. The Bible and Christianity teach that God is within you, but that God is not you. It's the creator and redeemer, the one with whom you've been made one with because of Christ. Prayer is a continual acknowledging of God as the source, the ground of our being. It's communing with the God who has made his home within us. 
<laughs> the goal of prayer for a Christian is not to have your prayers reach beyond the ceiling. It's to dwell with the God who has come close. What does this look like? Well, once we realize and believe that God has come close to us, we can begin to talk to him differently. We can begin to ask of him differently. It's like the change that happens when you're in your home and there's someone who's on the other side of the house and you need to tell them something important and so you're yelling at them to tell them. But then suddenly they come into the room, sit down beside you, and you can now just speak to them. When we realize that God is close, that he's come to live within us, be with him, rest in him, make our request of him, and listen to his requests of us. Prayer is communion with God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But this doesn't come easily. It does not come naturally. And so, second this morning, prayer is work. Prayer is work. And I mean this in two ways. First, it is work in that it's hard. Our culture prefers to think of spirituality as a spontaneous surge of feelings. We think uh, within American culture right now that the most authentic side of ourselves are those things that come up spontaneously. So, love, spirituality. But this isn't always the case with love or with prayer. Prayer takes practice. And this is why so often when Paul speaks of prayer, he uses terms that you would apply to work. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it. You know, the term watchful comes from the work of standing guard in the ancient world. Staying awake to make sure no one attacks the city gates by night. Prayer is work. It requires an endurance. So we shouldn't be overcome with discouragement when prayer is hard for us. We have to keep going. But like all work, sometimes we need advice from people who've done it longer. We should not keep working in ignorance and in stubbornness. Of all the things that we shouldn't be prideful in, prayer is definitely one of them. So if you have trouble in prayer, it's normal. Looks for someone that you think has been praying for a long time and might be able to teach you something about prayer. Ask them to help you. Prayer is work. Difficult. You have to keep going, but you don't have to keep going without help. But second, prayer is work in the sense that prayer is not laziness. When you pray, you're doing something, whether you see it or not. You're accomplishing something whether you see it or not. I, a full disclosure here. I sometimes feel guilty for taking time out of the workday to spend in prayer. And I'm a pastor. Isn't that awful? It's terrible, but it's true for most of us. Most of us feel an odd guilt about taking time away from work to pray. You become anxious thinking there's too much work to do for you to sit and pray. And this is a misunderstanding, a lie about prayer. 
as if prayer is a time that God wants to take away from your work. Prayer is actually a way of getting things done. It's a way of trusting God to help you get the right things done in the right way. The church's best picture of prayer has long been from Mary, from our gospel passage, who sits at the feet of Jesus. Martha comes to complain because she's doing all the work, but Jesus tells her, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. It's not as if Jesus sees other work as unnecessary, as if what Martha is doing, are, these are bad things. The issue is that prayer, being with Jesus, is essential to all other work. Now here's something that I think is helpful to our prayer lives. The word liturgy, which is the word that we use to describe our worship service, this word means the work of the people. Worship is God's people's work. We're not being lazy. We're doing something here. We're, in fact, doing the most important thing for the flourishing of the world. We're bringing the praises of creation to the rightful creator and king. Jews and Christians have always used very brief liturgies for daily prayer to help us with this work. So now again, our culture is obsessed with the idea that truly authentic things, love and other things, are spontaneous, not planned rituals. But earlier generations were wiser. They knew that set times of prayer in the morning, at lunch, in the evening, these set times help us so that prayer begins to overflow into all of our day. So we learn in this to pray without ceasing. This is what Paul is getting at. You, you set times of prayer, and then as you do that over and over, prayer begins to fill in the rest of your life. These set times become like the banks that enable a river of prayer to flow through our lives. So if you want to grow in the work of prayer, these daily tools, set times of prayer can be a help to you. Sit and trust that in doing that, God is going to help you take care of the other work that you need to do too. So prayer is communion. Prayer is work. But lastly, prayer is mission. Paul goes on in Colossians chapter 4. Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Remember, Lewis ta taught us God wasn't content to have a team of properly trained parrots doing all the praying. So God has chosen that he was do most of his work in the world through us, through you and me, and through trains, I guess, as well. God has made us his co-laborers in his work of bringing love justice and goodness to bear in the world and the way that we enter into this work with God is through prayer listen again to what Paul says pray that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ in other words God has made it such that our prayers are a way he accomplishes his purposes doors formerly closed are open because we pray 
Now, on the opposite end, it seems possible and even likely that there are doors that remain closed because we don't pray. If we're going to accept the first one, we have to accept the second one. Sometimes we like to give uh, so much credit to God that we don't take responsibility for what he's called us to do. God has called on us to pray so that his work would spread in the world. Prayer, like the prayer of Moses, which Josh read to us, means that we're in a relationship with God. Moses can plead to God in the way that he does because he knows God. We make the case to God for the things that we believe are right and good. Did you hear what God said to Moses? Let me alone so that I may destroy these people. And yet Moses says, God, for your name's sake. He pleads with them. Won't you do something different? So we are called to make the case to God for the things that we believe are right and good. That seem as far as we can tell to be in accord with God's way. But as much as we make our case to God, we also listen. We remain open to God, changing our own minds to him having opened a different door. With prayer being communion, a relationship, we can't have one-sided asks to God. When we ask him for something, we then listen. And we wait to see what God will choose to do. Whether there is another door that he'll choose to open. Now, prayer is also certainly about asking God for the things that we need. We're talking right now about mission, God's mission in the world to spread his kingdom. But we need to know that prayer is also about asking for the things we need. Listen to this part of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. We could spend a sermon on this. We should never be ashamed of needing to ask God for things. This is an expression of our dependence on God for everything in life. But this passage is about praying in such a way that we join with God and ask that his purposes be moved ahead in the world. So, how are you praying for doors to be opened for God's word? For doors that you can walk through or that even others can walk through. Now, as Church of the Lamb moves into a, a major transition, our faith is that God will continually open doors for us to proclaim the word, to make the mystery of Christ known. Our move is a sacrifice for this very purpose. That more doors can be opened for families to hear the mystery of Christ, for children to hear the mystery of Christ, for individuals to hear of the mystery of Christ. It's a sacrifice for this purpose that more doors can be opened, not less. So I want to ask you, will you pray for this? Will you make the case to God? God, will you use this church? Will you open the door in many communities in East Rockingham County so that the mystery of Christ might be more made known? In Elkton, in Grottoes, in Penn Laird, in all the communities of this area. The small groups of Church of the Lamb start back in a few weeks. 
There's going to be a group in Pinlaird, a group in the Elkton area. There's going to be one in Grottoes. And as these groups are called on to care for each other, they're also called on to pray that doors will be opened for the word, for the mystery of Christ to be more made known in these areas. Prayer is communion with God. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit who've made their home in us. We're becoming one with God through Christ. Prayer is work. It's difficult. But it is also essential work to the life of the world. To the life of these communities. It's been said that the prayers of monks and nuns in their monasteries are sustaining the beauty and goodness of the world as we speak. How might God use the prayers of Church of the Lamb, your prayers, to bless this place, the neighborhood where you live, your neighbors? Prayer is mission. It is joining with God in his labors to spread the kingdom of Jesus. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.